We had a YOLO moment, you know, you only live once, let's pull the trigger, let's do this. Talk about what it was like to travel to Alaska. There are two ways to go up to Alaska. I've seen roads in Indiana a lot worse than the, than the Alaska Highway. Just fill up whenever it's like half a tank and you'll be fine. We lost a few screws here and there, it's an RV, it's, it's gonna happen. The way I describe it to myself, there are three Alaskas. That was quite an experience, besides the mosquitoes. We had one mishap, a rookie mistake. I mean, you have to have the $90 pizza. In this episode of RVing with Joe and Kate, we're going to be talking to Robert Morales from the YouTube channel, Traveling Robert, all about what his experience was like traveling to and through Alaska. Let's get right into it. Robert, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Joe and Kate. We're the Russos. We, I mean, we've known each other for a while and it's great to be on your podcast. Congratulations on the podcast, by the way. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is a new endeavor for us, and we figured now is the time. It's nice to finally pull the trigger and, and start our own podcast. So yeah. thank you for being on ours. Absolutely. Anytime. Tell us a bit about yourself. How did you get into RVing? Where are you from? That sort of thing. Uh, well, I was born in the island of Cuba. I've been here for actually two days ago was my, my 35th anniversary of arriving to the United States. So it's... Happy it's, anniversary. It's, yeah, that's that's almost like an, an immigrant almost celebrates that uh, more than their birthday. You know, it's like like a rebirth. So uh, very happy to be here. And now about RVing, you know, we started RVing about uh, nine years ago. Well, before we rented a couple of times, you know, be, be, before uh, just to, to make sure that we knew we liked it. Um, it all began actually with my brother-in-law. We were visiting family in, in Georgia for Thanksgiving and he rented, a, you know, one of those Cruise Americas, you know, with a, the picture of, of, of Zion <laughs> on the side. And, <laughs> oh, uh, you know, unmistakable. And they, I'm like, hmm. you know, they had a dog and, you know, it was like very comfortable to travel. They could pull off anywhere. Uh, and uh, I'm like, hmm, there, there must be something into this. And then we rented one twice, actually. And... Uh, and after we rented the second one, we, we did the Four Corners out west, you know, the, the, the national parks in Utah, you know, you know, the area. And I'm like, you know, we have to do this, you know, especially that area is made for RVing. Uh, so, yeah, we, we just uh, went to we decided on something that I could kind of pull with my current vehicle that kind of fit in my driveway, kind of being the keyword. <laughs> so we went to, to the dealer, you know, to just to see it. And uh, the rest is history, you know, we just uh, we had a YOLO moment, you know, you only live once, let's pull the trigger, let's do this. So you started with a truck and trailer or towing a vehicle. And yeah. what do you have currently? I still have a, a truck and trailer. I started with, a, I have an old Kia Sorento, you know, it was like the beefier of the Kia Sorentos, but still it was uh, underpowered. But we, we were like, you know what? We're in Florida, it's all flat. What could possibly go wrong? You know? <laughs> Eventually, we hit some mountains, and that's when <laughs> when it got sketchy. Eventually, I had to upgrade that Kia. And then, you know, after five years uh, towing, you know, with my original trailer, uh, you know, I had been talking to Winnebago here and there, and, one of you know, we got to an agreement where I became a brand ambassador for them. And as part of that agreement, you know, they, they lend me a, a trailer every year or every certain amount of time. It depends, and... Uh, and that's what I have now. I still have a Winnebago. It's a micro mini, but it's a slightly, I, I went to a larger one and that, I downsized again to, to, a, to a 20 footer. The reason we wanted to have you on the podcast today is to talk about what it was like to travel to Alaska. 
because that is a bucket list item for a lot of RVers. It is the only state that we have not yet RV'd in. And we're a little timid about going up there. I mean, there's the, you know, all the stories about blowing tires, the distance to get up there, all the other things. And part of us is just like, eh, why don't we just fly up, leave the RV at home, that sort of thing. So we'd love to get your kind of perception on what it was like to travel up there. Yeah, well, it, it is certainly far. I, I, can, I can vouch for that. But uh, I mean, and you can fly. They have several companies that, that rent you a Class C up there, you know, and... Um, the thing with the rentals, they don't let you go on every road. So if, if you, especially you guys, you have a four by four, you got kind of like the, the, the overlanding uh, uh, activities. I think for you guys, it's going to be better to, to drive your own. But for everybody, you know, we, were, we, we got very lucky. We didn't have a flat tire. We did have a chip in our windshield, but it didn't happen in Alaska, of all places. It, it happened, I believe, in Colorado on our way to Alaska. So... I mean, we were lucky, and uh, let, let's go by parts, you know. There are two ways to go up to Alaska. There's the Alcan, the Alaska Highway, which is the, the main that everybody does. There's the Cassiar, and then once you get up there to the Yukon, there's another two highways, you know, the top of the world and or continue on the Alcan. The Alaska Highway, for the most part, I mean, I've seen, I've seen roads in Indiana a lot worse than the, than the Alaska Highway. So you shouldn't be concerned. And people say, you know, you have to have three, five gallon buckets of gas, you know, because gas stations are far in between. Not really. Just fill up whenever it's like half a tank and you'll be fine. So do not be scared of the Alaska Highway. Um, there are many points of interest to, to, to stop, you know, like everybody stops at Leard Hot Springs or the Signpost Forest. You know, it's, it's worth a quick stop, not stay you know, five days, but it's worth a quick stop. The only part of the Alaska Highway that is really bad is like the last 300 miles. Okay. After, Why is after, that? after you, you, you pass a lake, beautiful lake, it's called Kluani Lake, and then comes Destruction Bay after Destruction Bay. And it's not the, the, the washboard or the potholes, it's the frost heaves because you don't see them coming. You know, the frost heave, if you, if you get one of those frost heaves too far, I mean, your, your wheels are almost going to come off the ground. It is, uh, uh, and especially if you're towing, you know, back there, you know, it's still, we lost a few screws here and there. It's an RV. It's, it's going to happen. Uh, but um, as far as the Alaska Highway, it's for the most part fine. The top of the world, it's, it's kind of like the destruction bay part of the Alaska Highway. You know, frost heaves, washboard, uh, potholes here and there. Uh, usually the, the the gravel parts are the best parts of the road because they, they withstand better, you know, like, like the, the harsh winters, you know, it's, they're easier to maintain in that sense. You produced a entire series about going to Alaska on your YouTube channel. Yes. And you have a, a section on the road to Alaska, which is its own adventure, and then Alaska itself. And yes. I remember chuckling because one of the first things you said was, you're just going to risk it with the spare tire and in that you were going to bring an air compressor and a good uh, tire repair mm -hmm. kit. Yeah. So it sounds like that worked out for you. And that if you were out. to plan the trip again in an RV, would you go the same route or would you carry a spare next time? Like a second spare? Um, mm -hmm. Probably not. Probably not. I think I think I would risk it. I mean, it's... um. 
I mean, there's there is one road that that I that I already did and I probably won't do again because you know it's uh, and that, that that was where where we had the most trouble with. That's the Dalton Highway. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's the northernmost road in, in the United States, the most remote, 240 miles without services. I mean, you after after that town, Coldfoot, you know, which is like the halfway point, you're pretty much on your own. You know, you you better have a way. You know, there there's no emergency services. There's no uh, no gas stations. Nothing, and that road is mostly pretty bad uh, gravel, and the paved parts are, are are aren't very good either. So, that's the one road where I would uh, take more precautions, if you will. The rest of Alaska, I mean, some some of it feels like really remote and the frontier. But um, the farther south you go, the more it's um, actually I, the the way I describe it to myself. There are three Alaskas. There are three three areas, three main areas of Alaska, and um, the first one is Fairbanks. You know, it's, it's the town in the middle of the state and north of there. You know, it's and the surrounding area. That's what I called you know the last frontier, the the wild Alaska. You know, it feels rough. You know, uh, automobiles, cars, they have a power plug in the front because you have to plug them in at the at, when you park them in the winter because it is so cold that you won't be able to start them again. So it's it's that kind of you know minus forty degrees in winter, rough. Then you have the southern part of, part of Alaska, which is like the Kenai Peninsula. You know, where the, that's a touristy part of Alaska. It's it's where all the you know where the where the princess cruise goes and all the you know, where all the cruises go and it's like and and you see them you, you see up and down the the parks highway you know the buses from all the cruise lines and the and even the the Alaska Railroad they have um you have cars you know they, they they may be like three cars from Alaska Railroad but then you have two princess cars two Holland America cars <laughs> and uh, that's it's so touristy and then there's um, Anchorage. You know the largest city, and uh, as as, a, as an Alaskan friend uh, put it to me, it it's you can see Alaska from there, but it's not Alaska. You know you arrive there and there's Chick Fil A and and even Raising Cane's and all the chain restaurants and everything. Um, it's like you might as well be in Des Moines. You know it's it's a, you know you, you're arriving in, you're arriving in in Anchorage and you are arriving in any you know any suburb of any large American city. So those are the three Alaskas. You know, just talking about getting up there, a lot of the people that we've heard will say that Alaska is great, but what's even better is the the portion of Canada that you have to drive through. Did you stop in Canada at all, or did you just kind of bomb through it? Well, yeah, of course you you have to do, um, especially if you're gonna take the Alcan, uh, which is a little farther east. Uh, the Canadian Rockies are a must. I think, and I, and I think we kind of rushed through them because it was such a long road to Alaska that we wanted to get there, so we didn't spend enough time. But you know, the the Banff area, you know, Lake Louise, Jasper, um, yeah, that 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 deserves uh, at least a week, if not more, uh, with all the hiking, all the all these lakes. They has they have this turquoise water that that. It doesn't seem possible. It seems like someone, you know, just dropped a bucket of, you know, turquoise dye to to that to that lake. So um, and the mountains and it's it's a beautiful area. Same with the 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 western part. If you come down like we did, we return on the Cassiar on the on the Stewart Cassiar. Um, there's so many beautiful places in that area, and of course there's the the, the area surrounding Vancouver, which is uh, also beautiful. Do you mind walking through? 
kind of your timeline for your Alaska trip this year? Because I think you left Florida towards the end of May. Is that correct? Yes. It's May 23rd or 24th, I believe we left. And um, we pretty much made a beeline for the Rockies. So I, w- I wanted to take some time to, to spend a little time in Colorado, you know, and uh, we did Yellowstone again. We did gl- the eastern part of Glacier National Park, which was closed in 2020 when I was there. And um, we took our time and then we took our time in uh, a little bit of time in um, in uh, in Canada. You know, we visited, um, I'm a Trekkie, so I had to visit Vulcan, uh, Alberta, of course, <laughs> which the whole town is like a Star Trek. <laughs> theme uh, thing that you know they have all those things and then um, Calgary which I was pleasantly surprised to what a great city you know it's um, super diverse and bustling it's and um, and then we did the Canadian Rockies which I already talked about and then you have to keep going north to to a town called Dawson Dawson Creek not the TV series but Dawson Creek and that's the beginning of the Alaska Highway you know so that's that's one of the main stops that you have to do um, from Dawson City, the first day drive is not the most scenic, to be honest. And, and um, the one thing this year in Canada, we had uh, wildfires, so it was a lot of smoke, so it wasn't very scenic. But once you get to, you start, you get to the mountains, and I'm, I, I'm right now the name escapes me. It's called uh, Summit Lake. It's a great campground there. And I should have a map in front of me because right before Summit Lake, there's a there's a town that has the best uh, cinnamon roll on the Alaska Highway. They claim it, and it was really good. They have a, a small RV park there too. But uh, we decided to boondock at this Summit Lake, which is beautiful. It's part of um, it is called uh, Stone Mountain Provincial Park. Nothing to do with the one in Georgia or the one in in North Carolina. It's called Stone Mountain, and it's beautiful there. And that's the beginning of the beautiful part of the Alaska Highway. Um, from there, there are a, a few must stops. Uh, one of them is the Leard River Hot Springs, which um, uh, you know uh, uh, that that's something that a lot of people do. You know, just it's not like you're gonna stay there for a long time, but it's it's a it's a nice hot spring if you're into to that. They have waterfalls, and they have a. You, you can either stay at the at the state park or no provincial parks they're called in Canada, but if you want full hookups on Starlink, you can stay at the RV park across the street, which is like I don't know forty bucks, forty five bucks a night, and they have no trees. So for us, that it's by the way, Starlink was a game changer uh, when it came to to this trip because there's no cell phone signal pretty much throughout the whole uh, road. I saw the episode where you stopped at the hot spring. And uh, I remember you were exploring one of the little creeks and then you decided to turn around and I was getting a little nervous watching you kind of explore down this little, a little creek. I was like, where is this going to go? <laughs> I hope you yeah, that, that was a little bit scary. I was wearing a, a water shoes and all that, but it gets narrower and narrower and you start seeing bugs and I'm like, um, maybe I should return. Although the, the floor is all gravel. I, I, I suspect some of it is man-made these days. So yeah, Leard River, very, very cool to, to visit. You know, just, uh, you know, just one night. We got there like at 4 p.m. I jumped in the, in the springs and, uh, and then on the next day continued. And um, as I said, you know, every, I want to say 100 kilometers or so, there's a gas station and, and all of them, or most of them, they're like, like 
little towns you know you have a gas station an rv park a, a convenience store and a, and a small lodge and it's all concentrated there so it, you know if we were every hundred miles or so you're going to have one of those which uh very convenient the next stop is um is watson lake watson lake it's kind of it's kind of in the border it's in the yukon but you're you're gonna straddle the yukon british columbia border there for for a few miles and watson lake is mainly famous uh, for the signpost forest signpost forest. this this started during world war ii you know the two lonely soldiers you know they were building the alaska highway and uh, and they po posted a sign with the distance to their hometown and then you know people started doing that and now there, there are thousands of i mean if not tens of thousands of signs there and i know every other youtuber has put their sign there at some point so so uh i had to do that too you know <laughs> but mostly you know signs like road signs from all over the world you know and, and um that was something to see again you know stay one night at the rv park or you can boondog i mean there's boondog the, the other thing except the yukon the yukon is a little more strict when it comes to boondocking but you can pull off pretty much in any 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 rest area any any pull out and and nobody cares and in alaska even less and the next big stop is whitehorse which is the capital of the yukon territory and there they have a they have the it's it's an old river boat there's several things to do there um there's uh there's a museum there's another hot spring and uh, it's it's a very developed city for for how far north it is it almost felt nordic you know like kind of like this square buildings but very very well maintained and um and after that that's when it starts uh, to get a little sketchy you know you're gonna go west um there's this town called haynes junction which is the first junction for where you can go to somewhere in alaska you know it, it's a there's a couple of towns on the alaska panhandle that are not accessible from the rest of alaska so you can only access them through through Canada, and that's uh, Haines Junction. And then after that, Kluani Lake Destruction Bay, that's when it gets a little sketchy. And uh, and just take it slow, and eventually you you you're gonna encounter the border. Uh, the, but but I didn't I didn't talk about the border crossings. Uh, but the border crossing into Canada was relatively easy. They they grill you with a bunch of questions. Like if you have mainly firearms, uh, for some reason they care about firearms, drugs, and and liquor, and uh, as long as you don't have um, any of those, you know you're you're fine. And then going back into the United States is most like a customs, you know, um, you have to declare if you have eggs, and eggs seems to be a problem, you know, certain things, and and it's hard to find it's like super accurate information about what you can bring or you cannot, you know, it changes. Now the the problem with eggs is avian flu. But uh, in the future, it could be something else, you know. And uh, the the first town that you're going to encounter in in Alaska is Toke. It's a small town called Toke. Um, but that that's where it begins, you know. That that's where it, as soon as you get to Alaska, you know, you start seeing these snow-capped mountains. You know, there are mountains everywhere, and there are beautiful lakes everywhere, and waterfalls and rivers and and all that. But in Alaska, it's just like the, the concentration of them is just like it's a lot more i mean it's a, it's, a, it's the largest state but there is so much and 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 i'm rambling here a little bit but i wanted to to get this point across is 
the, the main thing is that your, your geographical location, you know, being so far north, even mountains that are not as tall, they, they keep the, 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 the snow on the top, uh, you know, year round. And then if you don't look at it on a map, look, look at it on a globe exactly where you are. You are like on the top of the world, literally. Uh, you, you can point to it. And then it never gets dark. This, that time of the year, you know, we arrived, uh, we arrived in Alaska. I wanted to time it. So, so we did Fairbanks for, for the summer solstice, you know, the longest day of the year. And they have something, you know, on the Saturday closest to that date, it, it's called the Midnight Sun Festival. Uh, Fairbanks, by the way, is the, is the, the second largest city. And it's the, the, the end of the Alaska Highway is really a, a small town called Delta Junction, but there's not a whole lot to do there. So, you get there, take a picture with the sign, and keep going to Fairbanks, large city. There's a lot of things to do uh, in the vicinity of Fairbanks, and it's a, you know it's it's a fairly large city. You you can still tell you're in the frontier, but the the, the they it's everything. They have everything. Now that the, the Midnight Sun Festival, it's it's a cultural experience. You know, it's like any carnival. You know, any anywhere, any festival. You know, they have vendors and music and uh, all that. But they have a, on the solstice, they have that we didn't do. At the end, we decided not to go. They have a, a, a baseball game that begins at 10 p.m. And they don't have lights. They don't, they don't use the lights. You know, it's, it, it, it finishes at, uh, at midnight or 1 a.m. And the thing is, with daylight savings time and the way Alaska is positioned in the time zone, the true midnight really happens like at 1.30 a.m. So that's when the sun is going to be the lowest. And yeah, you do get that the sun does set like at 1230 and then it comes back up like at 2 a.m. But it never gets dark. I was going to say, I remember watching a video with uh, Gone with the Winds where yep. they were up in Alaska and they did a it was like a 5K or something at yep. midnight. You remember that? Yeah, they, they do that, too. I think they do it on the same day as the as the baseball game. Uh, but I'm, I'm not certain. I'm not certain about that. Yeah, that, that's something that. Actually, we could have done, but, uh, you know, we wanted to do other things. You know, we went to the, um, in Fairbanks, it's a day trip to China Hot Springs, which um, is a nice area. Actually, the highlight for us was not the Hot Springs, but uh, they have a nice museum uh, with a nice bar. And they carve a martini glass out of ice, you know, and they carve it in front of you. And then they give you an apple teeny at, at the end of the tour probably 25 degrees in there. I don't know how long. And, and they have these ice sculptures that some of them are 30-year-old uh, sculptures. I, they, they've been there, you know, the, they they keep them frozen even in winter. That was a cool place. Did you freeze your martini glass so you can take it home? The tradition is for you to smash it, uh, smash it on the ground on your way out. So uh, uh-huh. that's what we did, yeah. From there, you can go two ways. You can go north, as I mentioned earlier on the Dalton Highway, uh, which is... Actually, when you realize that you're really in the Arctic because you go past the Arctic Circle and uh, once you go past the Arctic Circle and, and you have to wake up in the middle of the night to experience this. If, if you have a clear day, go experience the, the midnight sun, the, the real thing. You know, it's, um, and that was a, a very emotional for me. I, I had one pretty much all, 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 for many years. I had wanted to experience this and I have heard this. There's this mountain. It's called Gobbler's Knob that um, it's about, I want to say, 20-minute drive from the Arctic Circle going north. And from there, you, uh, during this date, you know, in late June, you know, the sun doesn't, doesn't set. You, you see it kind of coming down from the west where it would, and then when it hits dead north, you know, it's like 
what, five degrees over the horizon. And then it starts going back up, you know, at, uh, after, after the astronomical midnight. And that was quite an experience. Besides the mosquitoes. Yeah, I want to hear about the mosquitoes. <laughs> Especially in this northern part of Alaska. And not only there, you know, in the Yukon in Canada too. I mean, mosquitoes are crazy. I mean, they swarm you. If, 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 you, if you're moving, not quite as much. But if you stop like I did, like to take a picture of the midnight sun, as you do, they, they, they're just flying all over you. They don't bite as much. If you've been to Florida, our mosquitoes here in Florida, they land on you and they bite you immediately. These mosquitoes in Alaska, they're kind of lazy, like lethargic, you know. There are a lot of them, but they land on you and they're like, hmm, should I bite him? Should I not? And eventually they do, but <laughs> but just wear bug spray. And I and I had one of those nets, you know, for like the, the worst of the worst uh, days. Uh, like when I had to, you know, go, go grab the generator to get some power and all that, you know. Uh, so, yeah, we did that. And then, of course... That the, the Dalton Highway takes you all the way to the to just before the Arctic. Uh, it's the most remote road. You know, first you go through boreal forest, then you, after you pass the the Brooks Mountains Range, you go. It, it's uh, it's ton, it's uh, it's the North Slope, but it's tundra. Not, nothing grows. No no large trees will grow that far north. And eventually you get to a town a town called Dead Horse, which is kind of anticlimactic because it's all uh, you know. Industrial facilities, the, the the for the oil companies, you know, oil wells, and it's not the most attractive place. From there, you can take a tour, and you have to take a tour if you want to see the Arctic Ocean. And you are what ten miles away? You you might might as well go the the extra, not even ten miles away, and uh, it's not expensive. You get it there at the at Dead Horse Camp, and uh, they kind of give you a tour of the of the oil facilities, and then at the at, at the end, you know, you get to, if, if you feel so inclined, you can take the polar bear plunge, as it's called. I, I, I just waited in the, in the Arctic. I just did. I didn't go all the way. I chickened out. But, uh, <laughs> did you plan to? A, I wanted to, but I'm like, it's too cold. You know, it's, I'm, <laughs> I'm from the Caribbean, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's, is it worth it? In hindsight, I probably, it's probably a missed opportunity. But I, I probably should have done it. I mean, I could, I could talk a, a, a whole hour about the Dalton Highway. Uh, it's, uh, it was, uh, it was the, 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 the most intense adventure of the whole trip for sure. We had, a, we had one mishap, a rookie mistake on my part. We left the, the water pump on on the road, and it's so bumpy. You know, this, this is like the least maintained road there in Alaska that our faucet uh, opened by itself, you know, the, the, the faucet in the sink, in the kitchen sink. And we lost like half a tank and we filled up uh, like half of our, of our gray water. So uh, we kind of, we had to make a beeline back because, um, you know, we were, we were at, the, at the limit of our boondocking capabilities there. And uh, supposedly there's, there was supposed to be a dump station at, at Dead Horse, but both the milepost and the BLM guide were wrong. There's, it's no longer open. So, uh, so yeah, we kind of uh, on the way back, we kind of hightailed it back to to Fairbanks. For people that are going up to Alaska, what resources would you recommend they get or have on hand? Well, everybody recommended to me the milepost, and I may be the oddball here. I opened it twice. And because yeah, twice it had the uh, outdated information, 
So, I mean, if, if you have a copilot that is going to go, you know, mile by mile and, you know, tell you there's something or, or if you have a lot of time to plan, you know, and uh, and you you can go mile by mile and see what what point of interest there are. Otherwise, um, I mean, we, we, we were um, spoiled. We have we have a Starlink in motion. So, you know, we had internet, like, even in the most remote corners of Alaska, as long as there were no trees. So um, we used Google instead, you know, to to to, to find our way. <laughs> but if you don't, yeah, the milepost uh, it could be a, a, a great resource. It sounds like Starlink was one of the most essential resources for you it, on it, this trip. It, it was a game changer because my wife, Ilya, she's working from the road, you know. So um, she was able to to work from anywhere, you know, even in the middle of nowhere, Dalton Highway, where there's nothing else, you know. It's uh, there's not a soul for for 200 miles probably on that north slope, except the people that are on the road. Do you mind sharing what your Starlink plan was and how much you were paying? Uh, way way too much. <laughs> so the the standard uh, plan is 150 dollars, right? But that one doesn't include emotion. So you have to get the standard, the, the is, it, is it still called roaming or now it's, it's called something else, roaming priority. Even though, you know, I, I went to, through my priority gigabytes in less than a day. But the priority allows you to use it in motion, which works remarkably well, you know, for, for, for something that is talking to satellites going high speeds, you know, in the sky and you're, you're, you're also going in a different direction. I mean, it's, uh, it worked really well. So, um, it was 250 a month, but we paid during the, our time out there just so we could use it in motion. And it's, I understand that's, that's something that not everybody will need, but in our case, you know, we thought it was worth, it was worth it. And it sounds like, especially since the book you were referencing had outdated information, being able to access the internet when you're in the middle of nowhere to find out where, let's say, the next gas station is or the next water mm -hmm. fill is, is essential. Yeah. To be fair to the milepost, probably the online information about some of these places was also going to be outdated. Like there's an old wooden bridge uh, near uh, Dawson City, that, that Dawson Creek, that was no longer open and... Um, and well, that dump station that that even the online BLM guide still, you know, marked it as available. So going back to the timing of your trip, it sounds like it took you about a month to get to Alaska. And then how long did you all stay in Alaska to explore? We spent almost six weeks in Alaska and uh, and we've 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 barely scratched the surface here as, as uh, the, the Dalton Highway was like the beginning of our trip. Uh, after that, we went down to Denali National Park, of course. That's like the most visited uh, point of uh, interest in Alaska. Um, and then we went down to the Kenai Peninsula. We spent like, I want to say like three weeks in the Kenai Peninsula. That's what I call the touristy part of Alaska. And there are so many um, places where you can take like cruises or... Well, we took... Um, well, in, let, let, let's let's start uh, with Denali. I have to organize my thoughts here. <laughs> you guys help me out if you want. But uh, from Fairbanks to Denali, it's just a couple hour drive. It's very, um, very close. And Denali National Park, of course, if you want to enjoy the park, you have to take either a tour or one of the shuttle buses because you can only drive the first 13 miles. Uh, uh, that's that's the, the only part of the park you are allowed to drive with your own vehicle. 
and you don't even get to see uh, Denali on those 13 miles unless you hike to the top of a mountain. So um, do that. There's a town right across the, the road from the entrance to the park. They have RV parks and all, all kinds of businesses, even a very cool saloon at the Princess Hotel. Um, so uh, it's uh, it's very nice. And uh, and you can camp in the park too. They, they have several campgrounds. But, you know, I decided to reserve the full hookups uh, campground outside the park. It seemed uh, more comfortable. And so many hiking trails and so much to do. How far in advance did you book some of these campground reservations and experiences? Because the way Joe and I like to travel, we like to wing it. And we rarely ever book anything in advance. But I don't know if that's possible if we're planning an RV trip to Alaska. Actually, it is. The coolest experience that we ever did in Alaska, which was, uh, you know, Brooks Falls, you know, to see the bears uh, eating salmon there, catching the salmon on the, on the on the river. I couldn't make a reservation. I I, I went with the most, uh, you know, famous company, reputable or not, and they, and they have booking, but then they it's it's all weight limited. You know, if uh, they they ask you how much you weigh, and it's a small float plane, so so they couldn't. They they said they didn't have anything, so I, I kind of had given up. And last minute, you know, Ellie, she went online and via tour of all places. And uh, lo and behold, there was room in one of the tours. They, they have like 10 companies that do the same or more. I don't know how many companies they have. They all charge the same. They all, they all do basically the same tour. You know, they, they take you on a float plane to, to Katmai National Park, which is a beautiful flight. I mean, uh, it, it's one of those bucket list, like, you know, you, you'll, you're going to remember it forever. And then you know the, you know that platform where you see the bears. You know it's uh, eating salmon, and it seems so close. You know, seeing nature, the circle of life happening before your eyes, so close. It's, it's something that you definitely want to do. Of course, yeah, it comes at a price. It comes at a price, and I'm gonna say it is a thousand dollars per person. That Ooh. tour. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I will say, out of all the things I've seen in Alaska, that is definitely on my bucket list. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to pay for it. I mean, I, I would venture to guess you paid a lot more in fuel to get to Alaska. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And that was not the only tour we did, but it was def- definitely mo- the most expensive one. I would definitely take uh, one of the cruises, you know, the day cruises that they do. They all last around six hours, more or less. And one of them we took from Seward, which is also a, a very touristy town, but beautiful. Even though the weather did not cooperate, they take you on, on Resurrection Bay there and the Kenai Fjords National Park. And um, you get to see glaciers and you see the, get to see the glacier cabin, which is something, you know, like I, I, sometimes you don't get to see it. But when you get to see it, it's really cool because I mean, you don't know when it's going to happen. So you have to keep your eyes peeled on the glacier. And by the time you hear it, you hear the noise. It already happened, you know, because sound takes a while to, for it to travel. So, but we did see, we did get to see some glacier cabin. We we saw humpback whales. We saw, I mean, the most beautiful waterfalls. Um, even though it was raining the whole time, but we still got to enjoy it. And uh, there are two more tours that uh, we, one that we did, didn't take because we figured, you know, we already taken two glacier viewing tours. So. Um, there's a tour from Whittier, which is, Whittier is a peculiar town. All this is in the Kenai Peninsula. Because to get to it, you have to go through a tunnel. And this this very narrow tunnel. It's one way, only, you know, only one lane tunnel. And it's shared with a railroad. 
So it, it goes, it's, it's on a schedule, like going eastbound is on the half hour, going westbound is on the top of the hour. And then if the, if the, the train happens to be coming, you, know, you have to wait, right? Uh, but it's a very much a white knuckle drive because you're driving on top of the rail of, of the of the rail, you know, and your vehicle kind of, and and my 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 new truck has that that lane departure assist or lane lane keep assist, and it kept getting confused, and the truck was trying to steer me a different way, and I'm going like 20 miles an hour on this tunnel, and, and it's two miles, but if it felt like an eternity. Now, Whittier. Whittier is this town that most of the town lives in this big, you know, like 15-story building. And uh, that, that building has like everything in there, you know, hospital, stores, uh, facilities. They don't really have to get out of there in winter if they don't want to. But they have a cruise. It's the, the 26 Glacier Cruise. If you're ever in Alaska, this is the most beautiful. Uh, uh, and the weather also was great. But... Uh, you see all these glaciers, one of the, the, the largest ones, uh, I forget, I think it's a mile wide and like, uh, I want to say 500 feet tall. It's, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's called, uh, the, the, the area is called College Fjord and all the glaciers are, are named after famous universities. This one happens to be Harvard Glacier. And, uh, and then there's another, actually, that the, the most beautiful one was at the end of the trip, at the, at the end of, the, of this cruise. And uh, I'm trying to look it up here on the map and I can't find it, but I will. And uh, that is Blackstone Glacier. Blackstone Glacier. It's beautiful as it is because it's like at the end of a canyon. But then, then there's this huge waterfall on the right hand side. And that's probably the most scenic thing. I mean, the, the most, uh, like, you're like, okay, that, that's, it was worth it. <laughs> so same with the previous cruise, the one in, in Resurrection Bay, the humpback whales. When we saw the humpback whales, I'm like, yeah, this was worth it. <laughs> and uh, this is one of those things that, that you know, it's uh, only in Alaska, you know, and uh, make, makes the whole effort of spending three months on the road and making it there, you know, like, yep, this is this is what it's all about. With the Whittier uh, Glacier Cruise, was that just a day cruise? Yeah, that's just a day cruise. It, it's, it departs in the morning, you know, it's and they, they give you a meal, which is not, nothing out of this world, but it's a meal. And um they uh, and they, after you reach the glacier, you know there's all this ice on the on the on the sea, you know, on the, uh, and they they get some of that ice and then they give you, I mean you have to buy it of course, but they give you cocktails with glacial ice. <laughs> I'm in. I want an old fashioned with glacial ice. That's exactly what I had. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Going back to the reservations piece, how many of the campgrounds did you reserve way in advance? Um, and do you feel like you needed to do that? Could you have just pulled into a random campground and, and gotten a site? Way in advance, and way in advance, we're talking two weeks. I mean, we didn't we didn't really reserve anything way, way in advance. And uh, yeah, I totally went on a tangent when you asked me that earlier. I went <laughs> on, the, on the tours instead of the campgrounds. And the good thing in Alaska is you can boondock pretty much everywhere. Everywhere. They have plenty of pullouts and uh, and i mean we stayed at campgrounds because we're power hogs and we wanted to charge the batteries and we wanted to take a long shower but 
and that places like, for example, we spent a week, a whole week in Anchorage, which for us, that's a lot. If, if people who know me, you know, I'm like two, three days and we keep going. And we spent a, um, a, we spent a whole week in Anchorage, a whole week in Fairbanks. So those we reserved. Uh, and uh, the, the one in Fairbanks was the one a little sketchy because it was during the Midnight Sun Festival. And that one we reserved in advance and still we got like like the overflow sites. They, they were still full hookup, but they're like by the front in the back of a gas station, not the best sites. Uh, yeah, you, you don't really have to make the reservations unless, for example, in Seward, the, the Seward Municipal Campground, you can get a site waterfront. If you want that waterfront site, they're dry camping, but they're waterfront. So you may want that one. You, that one you may want to reserve in advance. You know, by the time I reserved the Seward, which was like a week before, they they didn't have those. Um, but for the most part, and if you don't want to stay at the campground in Seward, there's boondocking, you know, like five miles away from downtown or whatever. You know, it's it's everywhere. Round trip from Florida, Alaska and back was, would you say, roughly three months? Could you talk about like... Budgeting for someone who wants to do a trip to Alaska from that part of the country, like what's a rough budget they should plan for? I don't know exactly how much we spent, to be honest about it. I, I'm like, we're going to Alaska. You got to do it. You know, we we want to drive 5,000 miles one way, whatever it takes, you know, we'll figure it out later. So when I do my taxes the, this year, I'll, I, I can let you know how much we spent. And uh, I, I kind of don't want to know. I mean, you have to have the $90 pizza. Right? Yeah, I guess so. Wait, is that for a whole pizza or a slice of pizza? <laughs> no, that was the whole pizza. This is a funny story. This was at the village in front of Denali National Park. Actually, we sat at the bar there that there's, um, it's uh, the pizza place there. I forget the name. It's, it escapes me right now. Um, and uh, right next to us sits, uh, they happen to be viewers of my YouTube channel. So we started chatting and this and that. And they had a, a king crab pizza for market price, of course. They don't tell you the price. Uh, it's like, if you have to ask, you can't afford it, right? Uh, so I, I'd like to have the king crab pizza. And um, and the bartender told me, you know, it's $90, right? And I'm like, I'm not going to say no, <laughs> you know, in front of, like, I kind of, and I still wanted to do it, you know, I was peer pressured into doing it, kind of. And it, yeah, it was the most delicious thing I've ever had, that, that crab. And later we found out it had a, a whole pound of king crab, $90. Well, uh, when we went down to Homer, which is another place that we haven't talked about much, um, a, a, a pound of king crab was $120. So I guess that was the, the cheapest pound of uh, king crab in Alaska at $90. So uh, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who works on all of those Alaska TV shows and has spent a lot of time in the winter and summer going through Alaska. But he was telling us, if you want the freshest, best king crab, it's in Homer. He did say that. Now, yeah. did you try the king crab in Homer? No, we didn't. If, if, if I said, you know, one one is enough. In Homer, we tried Halibut, of course. Halibut is the Halibut fishing capital of, uh, of Alaska. Um, and Homer is a very it's a it's a very cool town. I mean, for the most part, it's the spit is this this peninsula that goes into the water that all, almost looks like artificial, like man-made, but they claim it's natural, and that's where you know all the restaurants, most of the restaurants, and and all that is. And that, of course, is the gateway to the floatplane ride to to see the bears eating salmon. So 
And they have all kinds of, you know, you can go on fishing cruises. And we're not really into fishing all that much. I mean, I've done it twice in my life. So we didn't do that. But they have all kinds of cruises from there too and activities and experiences. And since we are already in that area, Kenai Peninsula, the, the, the most perhaps authentic experience we had like of Alaskan culture, we happened to be in the, this small town called Kenai during the salmon run. And there's the Kenai River there. And it's like, you have to be a, a, a resident of Alaska to, to be able to do this. It's a, but uh, the, thousands of people dip net fishing. You know, they have these big round nets, you know, and they just dip them in the river. And at some point, the salmon is going to get trapped in there. And, um, you know, seeing, uh, you know, all, all, all the people doing that, and uh, even the people who have boats, you know, I, I don't, I, I can't believe they weren't crashing uh, against each other because it was like a fishing frenzy out there, you know, hundreds of, of boats on the, on the mouth of the river there. And uh, that was quite the experience. That sounds like fun. So you basically had a giant net that you put into the water. Yeah. And then just waited essentially for a, a salmon to jump in it and then you would yeah. bring it up. Just uh, you go, go go on the beach, you know, it's, there's a beach there and there's like literally thousands of people. And during that time of the year, they let them camp on the, on the, on the beach on both sides of the river and other rivers in the area as well. And yeah, it's like, a, think of it as the, like a huge lollipop, right? It's a round net with a, with a long stick and then you carry it and you stick it in the water and, uh, yeah. Did you get to stick it in the water or was this No, I didn't. Alaskans I didn't only? get to do it. I said, maybe if I had an Alaskan friend, but uh, it's uh, it's an activity in the past it was uh, anybody could do it, but nowadays you have to be an Alaska resident to to be able to do it legally. What was your your number one thing you saw or did in Alaska that really stood out? Well, besides the uh, Brooks Falls and the bears eating the salmon, um well, we're part of the 30% club. We got to see uh, Denali. Uh, but I'm trying to think here. As, uh, it's, it's hard to, to, to pick one experience, if you know what I mean. Uh, but I would say probably the most unique was the, yeah, Kite Mai National Park, uh, Brooks Falls and the bears eating salmon and the whole experience, the, the float plane ride on, on, its, uh, on itself. I mean, we were packed like sardines in that plane. It wasn't comfortable, but the views out, out the window were, were spectacular. For anyone who hasn't watched it yet, they need to check out your YouTube series on Alaska because just watching it gets me so excited about going to Alaska in an RV because we keep going kind of back and forth on, well, do we want an RV there first or should we maybe fly in, tour around a little bit and, no, and decide? Yeah, we've actually been talking about this year because we have a lot going on, is taking one of the cruises up, mm -hmm. do the cruise, maybe a couple excursions, or just stay up there for a while and then fly home, and then just get a feel for it, and then be able to take our RV back when we don't have any other things going on. We don't have to rush it. We can just take our time. Yeah, yes. that, that's the thing. It is a commitment. You have to you have to budget like your whole your whole summer. You know, it's a, it's not like you're driving even cross country. No, it's you, you you have to take your time and uh, and we, and we spent six weeks in alaska and we i mean there's so many things that we didn't get to do and i for example you know i, I, I as, as you probably know i broke my my ankle in quartzite last year so i was i, I wasn't still 100 percent like to do longer hikes and all that so there are many hikes that i didn't get to do and the many things that 
in hindsight, you know, all the research in the world that you can do, um, th there's still things that, that you miss, you know, like little towns here and there that I, I, I would have liked to, to visit and we didn't. Um, the one thing we haven't mentioned, it's uh, the northernmost uh, point in the United States. And uh, we had to fly there because there are no roads. And uh, that's the one thing. It's, it's uh, up until two or three years ago, it was called Barrow, Alaska. And now they, they, it's the Inupiat uh, name, Utkiakvik, which doesn't really roll off, roll off the tongue. And pretty much everybody, even the Alaska Airlines, still calls it Barrow. So, um, but uh, there are, there's one daily flight from, uh, from Anchorage to Barrow. And uh, if you want to just to say that you were at the northernmost point there by the Arctic Ocean, it's it's worth uh, 24 hours of your time. Um, they have a pretty good hotel with ocean views, and uh, but there's really not a whole lot to do there except you know do that. And uh, there's a museum that was closed when we were there, but it's uh, something else to do. Now, during the time that you were there, um, is that a popular time to see the Northern Lights? Because I nope. know that's seasonal. Okay. Nope. The, the thing with the Northern Lights, they're up there. But since it doesn't get dark, you can't see them. So you have to wait until later in the season. Had we stayed into late August, September, maybe we would have been able to, to see the, the Northern Lights. But, uh, yeah, we, um, we, had to, we had to get back for some other reasons so sooner than, than we wanted to. So. All right. I'm sold. You're in? But All right. I am thinking, and this is my crazy mind thinking here, I've been thinking it for a couple of months, to fly to Anchorage in late, uh, late February and take the train to Fairbanks, and maybe I'll be able to see the Northern Lights. Like a two-week winter trip, just, you know, fly up there and uh, you know, like, a, like a conclusion to our trip, if we will. I like that idea because if I now the first time you all went to Alaska in 2010, you flew there because you didn't yeah. take an RV. Okay. No, in, in 2010, I, and and we were already thinking about about RVing back in 2010, and we did the Dalton Highway back then too. But we flew, we flew to Fairbanks, and we we spent most of the time in Fairbanks, and it was just like a, it was a week, just a week, you know, like to to get a taste of the midnight sun, and we. And not, not, not every rental company will let you uh, go on the... There are three highways that they, they don't let you take a rental vehicle. That's the Dalton, the Denali Highway, which is another highway we haven't talked about, and one that is called the McCarthy Highway that goes into a, to a town called McCarthy, which is in the, in the Wrangell-Santelias National Park. But uh, there's a couple of outfitters in, in Fairbanks that will rent you. And uh, at the time, it was a Ford Escape, you know, four-wheel drive, it... it and uh, with a, they, 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 back in the day, they gave it to us with a CB radio because that's, that's what everybody uses to communicate on the Dalton still to this day. You know, not everybody has Starlink and, uh, and, and uh, an extra spare tire. So, and they send you on your way. Well, the one thing we need to get for our van is a spare tire because we don't have one. We have oh, not even one. No, not even one. No. So we have a air compressor. We have a very well complemented um, tire repair kit, but no, no spare tire. So that's yeah, going to be on our list. The, the the thing with those roads is you're not going to get a nail, you know, which is easy to remove and and, and, and plug. 
it's probably going to be a big sharp rock that is going to pierce through your tire and that tire is gone. It's not, it's not repairable. That's the problem with, with those uh, dirt roads up there. Well, I think we've taken a lot of your time and really appreciate you kind of scratching the surface for us of Alaska. And I can't wait to get through the rest of your Alaska series on YouTube. But before we let you go, there is a question that we are asking all of our guests. And that is, what is one thing you wish you knew before you started RVing? Oh, man. You know, this has changed over the years. I wish there was an Expedia for RVing, you know, like a universal booking system. It's uh, sometimes you, you end up, in my case, sometimes I just end up going to campgrounds that have an online booking system, just to, not having to call, wait for a call back. And that's something that I thought, you know, I was never a camper. You know, I, I jumped into, into this lifestyle as an RVer. I thought it would be like a, like hotels, you know, 24-7 desk, reception desk and this and that. And um, and I realized that it's more of a, you know, having to, especially mom and pop campgrounds, you know, you have to call, make a reservation and this and that. And then, and I didn't know there were so many options besides, uh, uh, you know, campgrounds, you know, we have Harvest hosts and now hip camp. There's so many different ways that you can stay out there. So yeah, I don't know how many times we've we've been in towns where we think we're going to boondock, and then we realize there's no place for us to boondock, or they're all all the spots are taken, and then we're driving around looking for a campground, and all the campgrounds are closed. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, you can't you can't go in and get a spot and. We've gotten lucky a couple of times where we've popped in and they're just, they've closed and they're walking out. We come in and say, hey, do you have a spot? Can we just park here for the night? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you have, you, have, you have a camper van. For you, for you guys, it's easier too, you know? <laughs> yes, it, it's much easier. I mean, we can fit in a standard parking spot. Now, before we let you go, for people who want to find you um, and check out your Alaska series, how, how can they find all of your content? Just, just go to my YouTube channel, Traveling Robert. I have an Alaska playlist. Um, and I'm pretty much everywhere, it, uh, all the social networks, just look for Traveling Robert, at Traveling Robert, all one word, American spelling with one L, and uh, that's it. Great. Well, thank you very much, and it was great having you on the show. No, thank you. Thank you, Joe and Kate. It's It's been my pleasure being able to, to, to chat with you guys again. Well, and you've inspired us to get up to Alaska, so. Yeah, thanks. you got to do it. You guys got to do it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like any of the resources that were mentioned in today's episode, check out the show notes or head over to our website at wertherussos.com. We have a lot of RVing resources out there, especially of all the other states that we've been to since Alaska is the one we haven't gone to yet. But there are resources for the new RVer as well as the experienced RVer. And you'll find links to my two books, Take Risks and Tales from the Open Road. Thank you so much for watching or listening today. And if you haven't, please subscribe or follow us from whatever platform you're watching or listening to. We'll see you next time. Bye.